know the lyrics to the extended version of every 90s TV theme song? Can you recite the entire script to Wayne's World on command, verbatim? Might you wax nostalgic about injuries sustained during backyard wrestling matches? Have you pontificated at length over what beer goes best with Mario Kart? Do you philosophically dwell for inappropriate lengths of time on phenomena like snowsuits, minor five chords, Rocky Four, baseball stats, wall-mounted pencil sharpeners, cinnamon toast crunch, Murray Wilson, seasons two through eight of The Simpsons, Bond villains, then friends, lovers, palindromes, have we got the show for you. It's Calling BS with Brandon and Scott, your esoteric clerics for the fleet of mouth and mind. Brutally honest, meticulously obsessive, and painstakingly pragmatic. Check us out and BS, I love you. Spider-Man Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze and celebrate the movie Spider-Man one Supermanning minute at a time. I'm Scott Corelli. <laughs> I'm Zach Luna. And I am Scott Tofty from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Minute. Welcome Woo-hoo! back. The, the recently debuted. <laughs> yes. yes. Recently debuted Teenage Mutant Ninja yes. Turtles Minute. Came out yesterday-ish. Well, two days ago now. You're three yeah. minutes oh, yeah. in already. Oh um, my God, this time travel is so confusing. <laughs> So uh, today we're talking about 68, which begins with Stan Lee saving a little girl and ends with a globe balloon deflating toward the ground. I have a question. Yes. Is Stan Lee's first name Stanley? Is it Stanley Lee? Is that his name? Yeah, yeah well, because he, he, he's... Last uh, name isn't Lee, really. Yeah, yeah, it's like like Leibowitz or something, and he... He uh, he changed it because he he didn't want to. Uh, at the time, it was like frowned upon to be like Jewish, and it was a whole. Okay, I was curious about that, but I didn't yeah. know. Yeah, Stanley Lee would be a great name. <laughs> but I digress. Stanley Lee Yelnats. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the Lee of all um, the Lees. But there he is in all his glory. Man, remember when? Remember when Stan Lee cameos were like literally cameos? Like, just... was this the first one? No, no, he's on he's on the beach when uh, when when water water congressman shows up in X Men like oh he crawls out of the ocean okay. yeah. yeah yeah that's yeah. right uh, these two idiots who yeah. <laughs> run away from a building falling down and then turn around and look up um, <laughs> in like the space of one uh, like edit from. For a position of a camera to another, they completely gave up on their plan to run away yeah. and are just like, hey, what's that? They, what's well, they that? literally turn around. Uh. They turn their bodies because they're they're facing Peter at first when they're running toward him. Oh, yeah. And then they stop, turn around so their backs are to him and then look up in the sky. So that he has to like web them away from the falling debris. I'll I'll uh, I'll do you one better. So he he bothers to to deal with these like you know idiots staring up at the uh, debris falling. But the time he takes to do that is the time he did not save the two men who just fell out of the balcony <laughs> and are screaming on the way down. That, like, <laughs> at the exact same moment, all this debris is coming down. There's at least two people that are just falling to their deaths at this moment, and yeah. Spidey saves these goons. Uh, um, oh did you guys notice at about nine seconds into this minute, as we're on the shot of like the the I don't know Greek mer dude holding up the balcony like it's crumbling uh-huh. over in the bottom right corner? There's just like some chick looking out the window. Yeah, <laughs> she's just like, oh, what's happening? Yeah, you're not even well, reacting. Weird. The reception on my TV just went out. What's going on outside? Um, loud noises. Yeah. <laughs> That's really good. Uh, I like that. Th- these idiots being dumb aside, I do really like that out of costume moment of Spidey heroism. I think mm-hmm. it, I think the beat lands really well. 
mm-hmm. at the very least. Uh, that is that beat is a argument for the organic web shooters. Yeah, because he wouldn't be able to do that without the organic web shooters. I was going to ask about that. What are what? And I, I, I apologize for not having listened to the entire run of the show thus far. But what are your <laughs> thoughts on the organic versus mechanical web shooters? Um, we're generally, I think, pretty fine with yeah, them. I mean, it, it, it simplifies stuff. Like, it's one less thing that they need to explain because they have it to introduce. It, yeah. yeah, they have to introduce Spider-Man to an audience of people who might have never really known his storyline. And so it streamlines everything. It just makes it simple. And then they, are, they it makes them capable of easily introducing the web shooters in uh, the reboot series because yeah. we already know what that is. What right. that is. And yeah. the, I always thought that, you know, the nice thing about it was that this movie does a pretty good job of introducing Peter as a really smart kid. So you don't need this whole like, well, he invented this incredibly crazy, strong, unrealistic web fluid stuff. Right. Like, yeah. because it sort of is just an excuse to, I mean, A, now our spider bitten hero can shoot webs, but B, it also helps paint the character as this boy genius that he is. Right. Um, but they did mm-hmm. a good job of that anyway. So I f- I, I'm kind of with you guys. I'm fine with it. Mm-hmm. I like it and, both and it's ways. A, yeah. It's a fun moment that we get because of it. Um, mm-hmm. and, and we also get those fun like cafeteria scenes earlier in the movie and stuff like that that yes. uh, only function because of that. Because Peter would not be bringing his web shooters to school in his school clothes on that day anyway. No. <laughs> have, like, and he certainly wouldn't be confused I, by the webbing. By the, yeah, know like the, coming from. the webbing confusion I'm, is fun. <laughs> I might be wrong, and I, I haven't actually sat down and watched the full movie in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really do my homework, I apologize. But <laughs> in this movie, and I'm going to try to find a way to put this that doesn't sound vulgar, do they end up equating the 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 web I know where you're going I know where you're going with sort of like I, teenage I, coming of age I, body discovery I know where you're going and the answer <laughs> is no that was the James Cameron draft where he literally wakes up from a wet dream in which covered he is in, covered in webbing yeah. yeah okay but they don't yeah. touch that in this no, not the, no pun intended <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah they don't touch yeah. it directly um no i mean it's it's always gonna be there if you look for it in any sort of uh you know your body i don't know what that says about dumb. me then uh, <laughs> no no i think i think the reason you remember it is because of the the when the scriptment did make the rounds on the internet it is such a overwrought scene that is so wow Cameron wow that is like really gross and weird that it you know sticks in the collective consciousness uh, mm-hmm. even if it's not really hammered home in the movie itself but like now that it's out there that it's always the easy joke to make I guess when you are remembering things back that oh yeah because webs and oh yeah yeah sticky mm. <laughs> oh my god uh, so uh, funny funny story about this Superman moment of yes. Peter uh, running yes. in slow motion uh, revealing his uh, Spider-Man costume underneath his clothes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, okay, so before I get to the story, we have to point out that, because I, I feel like it's a moment that is pointed to, like, what, what, why? Um, and <laughs> Because Sam Raimi. No, 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 no. I, I think it, it, it actually serves a narrative purpose, which is that if you didn't have that, sequence and i mean mm-hmm. granted you could have shot it a different way and 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 made it different but we we needed to know where the costume was coming from because yeah he's not wearing a costume and then he's in the spider-man costume so we definitely needed a reason for like oh where did the costume come from well this little slow motion thing allows us to be like oh he's wearing it under his clothes okay fine. right yeah. Um so so it it actually does serve a purpose um beyond just the naked reference to <laughs> to Superman, Superman right. Yeah. <laughs> so so funny story about it being that Superman thing. So when I saw Superman Returns which came out um I believe 4 years after this. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 4 years, 2006. Yeah. Um so when Superman Returns came out movie. and there was mm-hmm. there was a beat when uh he leaves the bar when he sees that when clark sees that uh lois's plane is in trouble yeah he leaves the bar and he has a slow motion scene where he's running toward the camera and opening a shirt and there was a kid like a young kid sitting next to me going who's this guy think he is (laughs) spider-man 
That's oh, amazing. Because to that kid, to that kid, that's a Spider-Man thing because that's his oh. only frame of reference to this. That's incredible. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> that is. Yeah. That's. I mean, that's. In in, in some like knee jerk like nerd history part of my brain uh, that wants to cross its arm and huff at that, but like more of my brain is just kind of like that's beautiful. That's like yeah. wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> I think that first part of your brain shares a lot in common with me on that one. <laughs> um, so, um, so the, it is kind uh, of funny though. Yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> so the decision to have a blue, a giant plain blue billboard uh, across the street from the balcony was a huge mistake because there's a shot where uh, MJ first falls into the railing of the balcony as it's tipping off that it just looks like an unfinished shot. Like she's on the blue oh, screen right. set. It looks like a soundstage um, or something more naked. Yeah. Oh no. It looks really, it looks really bad. Oh no. <laughs> um, I was like, I was like, is that an unfinished shot? Like that's what was, in, and then when it dips down further, you can start to see the lettering on the the bottom of the billboard. But yeah, it looks like an unfinished oh. shot until then. Oh boy, oh yeah. boy, it's really. I just love this like not good. that thing, the practical like falling apart uh, balcony set. Mm-hmm. I I do love that it was like a physical thing they built that could come apart and like get destroyed and and whatnot. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It, it, it comes does, back to that, like, old charming thing. Yeah. 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 The only thing that sort of bugs me about it is I feel like, listen, it, I, I, can, I can forgive sort of the, you know, the obvious sound staginess of it, mm-hmm. but the, the light source for everything seems to be coming up from underneath, but it's daylight out. Like, if you look at the railings, it looks like all the light is coming from under them, which... Yeah. I, it, you might even be able to explain away like, oh, the explosion happened down there. Oh, there's all these neon lights from the, the whatever. But like it just makes the shot look cheaper because it looks like it's poorly lit when she's sort of, you know, on on the balcony as it's falling. Yeah. yeah. It just, I yeah. think that's always the lighting is sort of more what r- ruins that visual for me and sort mm-hmm. of takes mm-hmm. me out of it. I almost wonder if the lighting in this movie, because we've criticized the lighting in this movie a lot. Um, and I wonder if the lighting isn't a side effect of everyone being afraid of working with CGI, uh, possibly because the lighting in the prequels are, is terrible also. (laughs) And, and and again, uh, no, 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 the star Wars prequels. Um, yeah, uh, the yes. only the only franchise that I can just say the prequels, the prequels. and most people Scott most people <laughs> would know the what I'm talking about. Um, uh, yeah, no, I I, I just think that uh, everything is a little overlit because they were afraid of matching lighting and CGI. That's yeah, that's I my at, theory. I I tend to agree because at that time, you know, the, the the textures for CGI and the the ability to light it was so much more rudimentary. <clears throat> Excuse me. Mm-hmm. You know, the prequels suffer immensely from that. And even as the prequels go on, the Star Wars prequels, mind you. Um, <laughs> the, 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 the oh, is that what you're talking about, Scott? Yeah, that is yeah. what I'm talking about, Scott. Um, <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but as the Star Wars prequels go on, the, they get darker in color palette also, which might have been a directorial choice on behalf of Lucas, in which case, mm. kudos to you, thematic stuff, blah, 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 blah. Right, but right. I tend to think it's because the technology just got better and better that they were sort of mm-hmm. able to play with their their light sources and their their textures and, and things like yeah, that. More leeway there. Yeah. Well, and I think that's why they went with Bill Pope on the sequel, because Bill Pope, he had done three Matrix movies at that point. Uh, right. And so he knew how to light uh, a, a CGI environment. Um, and I think that experience got him the job on, on the two Spider-Man sequels. Yeah, because Spider-Man 2 looks remarkably visually different than this one. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I agree. Good point, uh, Scott. Remarkable yeah. <laughs> visuals. Well, I guess, should we talk about the suit first, or we should talk about the fact that he just vaporizes a bunch of people? Can well, we I think... Like, yeah, yeah do we want to talk about... Do we want to talk about the Mars attack setting on the pumpkin bomb? Um, <laughs> can we talk about... I? This is the other thing that bugs me about the goblin. Like, uh. it's supposed to be a pumpkin bomb, but... It's not a pumpkin bomb. It's just a thermal detonator. Well, like, yeah, I want them it's to be an pumpkin orange bombs. thermal detonator. Yeah, 
That's I, uh, well. That's and that's that's the thing. I guess. I guess. I guess that I transitions. Us. I've I've got I've got I've got script stuff to talk about, but I guess that that is a as good of a transition as any to get us into the costume. Sure. Um, yeah. Because. I mean, before oh you you get into the actual design of the costume, yeah, um, I want to talk about just like my overall kind of feeling on it, yeah. which everyone talks about like the, they always point at the helmet and they go, he looks like the Green Ranger. And I'm like, guys, the helmet is not the reason he looks like the Green Ranger. Also, that looks it's that, like the Green Ranger. It, right. Yeah. It's that his whole costume is green. That's exactly. what's making you. It's the bodysuit that's making you think that if they had made his bodysuit green and the armor plating purple, he would look so much better. Well, yeah. I mean, to their credit, they do this, I don't know what they painted it in, but there's there's like an iridescent sort of purple shadow cast over a lot of the suit. Like if you get into the close it's up pearlescent vinyl, but yes, go go on. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fine. But Continue. You get you do get the purple hues on mm-hmm. screen. Yeah, out of this out of this costume, which uh, to the to the costume designers credit, I don't love this costume, but they did. You know, they pulled in the color palette from the comic books. They were able to get the purple and the green in a really interesting way. I don't love it, yeah. but I give them yeah. credit for coming up with an interesting way to do it. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if it succeeds the way they want it to, but it definitely. I mean, there's the the way they painted it. They called it pearl eye. Like every uh, piece that they cast on it, um, whether it was in like softer rubber or a harder like fiberglass, they they layered a vinyl coating over it that they could then paint so that it had like a dual tone to it with all of these purpley undertones and gold undertones. Um, gotcha. It's cool. It looks really, really cool and interesting. I just don't know it if like it like a muscle car. Succeeds. It looks like those cars yeah. that drive down your street every once in a while. And you're just like, Ooh, someone can't afford a nice car, but they can afford a nice paint job. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it comes back to this thing that we've been talking about a lot on this podcast about like, what Raimi's choices were in terms of what's worth spending time on on screen, it, like which is similar to the the whole web shooter discussion we were talking about uh, earlier. That it's it's faster or simpler. He thought to keep everything in the sort of zone of armor plating, hard helmet uh, shenanigans, than to also have to have a, a sequence in the movie that explained how we could have a living, moving like breathing mask face of a demon uh you know like a pull-on demon mask it's not that it couldn't be done and i i'm sure many people have seen the behind the scenes work that adi uh, algamated dynamics dynamics incorporated did for this movie in early tests where they built a very elaborate um you know facial mask which which didn't which didn't just look like the goblin Mm-hmm. Uh, because it did, it looked, it looked great. Um, yeah. it's not, it's not necessarily what I always pictured the goblin to look like, because in my mind, the goblin is just, it's a Halloween mask. Like that's right. Because his whole, his whole shtick is that he's, he's the Halloween guy. Um, yeah. that's like, that's, that's why the pumpkins are you know, yeah. pumpkins. He's, yeah. he's Halloween man. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, but what, what I love about that animatronic mask is it looks like Sam Raimi. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It looks like something out of Evil Dead or something. Yeah, That's totally. what I love about it more mm. than anything else. My my biggest issue with the this costume is it doesn't feel like Sam Raimi at all. Do you think I, there's some sort of like because X Men had come before this and the X Men movies sort of like did away with a lot of comic booky aspects of the visuals. Like they put everyone yeah. black leather. Like mm-hmm. I don't think anyone was willing to sort of take risks on being too true to comic source material in a I visual sense. I think that's sense. I think that's definitely part of it, but I think what Zach said is the main factor because mm. the studio trusted Sam Raimi like just inherently. Like they loved Sam and were totally on board for anything he wanted to do. Um to the point where they brought in two different writers to rewrite the script that they already liked. Yeah. Um so they were totally on board with whatever he had, uh, whatever he wanted to do. And they paid for that ma- that makeup test or animatronic test or whatever you want to call it. Um, they paid for that to get that to get made and, and tested and everything. So they were on board for, for anything he wanted to do. And so I think it was a combination of the streamlining thing, uh, mm. like, like Zach said. And I also think that, to a certain extent, you're right that 
they were more comfortable with this decision because uh, it is more accessible. A, like a real world application for this. Like right. It's a flight suit with right. a helmet. That's how we play right. it off. Right. Well, and the, and the helmet has no uh, practical uh, uh, tie because we've never no. seen it before. Right. Um, we know he so, likes masks, and that's yeah. about it. And he apparently he apparently took the time to make this thing out of fiberglass or whatever it's made <laughs> out of. Um, he molded it for hours, uh, but <laughs> paper mache. Um, yeah. yeah, paper mache. I I love the helmet. I know a lot of people don't, but I I love the helmet. Well, it's a hell of a lot better than the design that we got in Amazing Spider-Man Two. It's the um, only. Sure. Yeah. It's the only gobliny looking part of the costume. Yeah. yeah. I, I wish I wish the stock in the back was purple. Um mm-hmm. yeah. And, and I wish that the the plating was purple. Even that sort of pearly iridescent thing, but with a purple base instead of a green instead base. Of a green base. Yeah. 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 I think would have been a much better choice and would have would have added a, a sort of like a more of a visual um flair to it and a little more visual detail and make it a little more cinematic looking. But again, I think it comes down to they were afraid of how it would look in CGI. And so they went with a super simple all green design because they knew they could pull that off. Mm -hmm. That's, that's ultimately what I think happened here. I'll buy Um, that. But I love the helmet. I love that you can see his mouth through Through the the mouth hole. Yeah. I I I love how I I actually love how kind of goofy it looks. Like mm-hmm. there's something so silly about it and I find that really charming when you consider the fact that this is just like this is just like this rich scientist guy who went crazy and threw a helmet on his head and is like flying around on this. Th- like, it's just, it's such a silly idea. And I love that being able to see his mouth through the, through the costume actually adds to how silly it is. Um, <laughs> yeah. There's this, there's a moment, especially uh, later in the movie. That is my absolute favorite moment of the movie that a lot of people point to as the worst moment in the whole movie. And uh, those, the, all those people can fight me. Cause it's, it's fantastic. <laughs> Um, I know exactly what you're talking about if we're focusing on this helmet right now. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so um, uh, I I, tricky... I love I, I love the helmet. I love the uh, we we talked a lot about with the costume. We talked the, the Spider-Man yeah. costume. We talked about the silhouette. Yeah. Big fan. Big fan of the silhouette of this. Oh, especially with the glider. I I think when he's on the glider is when it works the best, especially because they put yeah. all of the purple into the glider itself. Um, right. Uh, but I, I, the, the, the points that people like to like point out on it, I don't think are really the, it, the, the source of the issue they take. I think mm-hmm. the source of the issue is the bodysuit, as you said before. And mm-hmm. it, you know, it's obviously it's not perfect. And obviously it's not the, the suit from the comics that we wanted, but for the take on the character they were doing, I'm pretty, I'm pretty proud of what they pulled off altogether. Yeah. Um, I think because, my biggest issue with with the costume being all green is it just looks like the goblin's naked. That's I think <laughs> I think that's my I think that's my ultimate problem with it. <laughs> is he, is he uh, naked? Is that a naked goblin guy on that glider? Oh, it's weird. A weird. He's a robot, a naked robot, a naked. If there was, robot. if there was a incredible hulk era 1970s tv show version of spider-man it would just be a naked dude painted green with like a stocking cap. <laughs> yeah that true. would be what the green goblin would have been in that tv show it's very true he would have teamed uh, up with actually like, Wonder woman actually Thor. he that actually he probably would have just literally been the halloween mask goblin yeah um, that's probably true. like it probably would have been the most accurate goblin we've ever gotten <laughs> Like, that was a Halloween costume. Been, I like that. They yeah. wouldn't be able to afford to do anything oh, ex- like like crazy and expensive looking, so who they wouldn't overthink it. Who would have been cast in that Green Goblin from like 70s actors to play Green Goblin? Oh, oh gosh. Man. Oh, I don't know. Uh, oh, oh, Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> All right. Yes. Oh, okay. yes. Please. Please. <laughs> I want scenery chewing Dustin Hoffman in a weird green jumpsuit and a You know a who I think would have been yesterday. really good? And underrated, uh, mm, mm. who? Papa Brady. 
Oh, interesting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Brady Bunch, bro. Uh, yeah. he would have been. He would have been a good. Yeah, That's yeah. Great he would have been. Yeah. He would have been a great Norman. I don't. I don't. I, I would be interested to see what his Goblin would be like <laughs> for sure. But yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess you were. I guess you were going practical because you were going for TV people. I wasn't thinking. <laughs> yeah. Who can I get? I was just thinking. Let's just of go like Jack Nicholson in the seventies. Nicholson yeah. was wrong in the seventies. He could have done it. Yeah, that's true. Nicholson. I mean, Nicholson would have been a better awesome. goblin than he was a than a Joker. Joker. Yeah. 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 Uh, Absolutely. Can I do one like costume uh, uh, fabricator and constructor like nerd moment Absolutely, here? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, dude. So go ahead. I I look at this suit and I just uh. My brain kind of explodes uh, thinking about the amount of work that's involved because they went with what is overall a sleek design choice, but the construction choice they chose for it, like, terrifies me, which is that they have individual rows of sewn, um, like, pleating in the entire suit all the way down in every direction, which not only would be a nightmare to make, but a nightmare for fittings. And they did have to do multiple test fittings because one of the things that they talked about in the uh, behind-the-scenes book was that Willem Dafoe was cast a lot later in production than some of the other actors, certainly much later in production than Toby. So when they started building the goblin suit, they didn't have his life cast available because he hadn't been uh, cast in the movie yet, and so they couldn't go in and you know cover him in plaster and build a mold of his body. So they started building the goblin suit based on Chris Daniels' body, and Chris Daniels is like the main Spidey double in the movie, uh, the main stuntman. And mm-hmm. when they did actually make the prototypes of the suit and then get Willem Dafoe in there and then have to go make adjustments, they said they had a ton of like fittings, you know, uh, a, a dozen fittings or something like that to keep adjusting the pattern and taking things in. And it, I would be terrified to, to, to try to think of the work involved in tailoring this type of material with this weird finish. And the second part is all these armor suit bits have no literal attachment points, which means they're individually glued in place. And I had to do that for a a fairly big budget movie, which is coming down the pipeline soon, where they had a suit built s- similarly, uh, like construction technique-wise, where we had a stretchy suit with armor plating glued on. And it is the most nerve-wracking thing in the world, because basically you put, um, you know, like Eurobond or, or a Scotch Weld or some sort of like really intense glue on the back of these fiberglass or urethane pieces, and then you have to stick them onto this multi-thousand dollar suit and if you're off even a little bit you've ruined it and you just have to do it you just have to be brave and do it and then like put straps on it that like hold it while the glue sets up and sometimes these tiny pieces like i look at all the small pieces on his sides that Mm -hmm. would be so hard to put in place and sometimes you know on this other movie i was making i had to sit there just with my hand acting as a clamp just holding a piece onto a suit while it glued up oh while it was like on a mannequin and it i i thought it, like i had to do that for like a half dozen pieces on the suit and i look and this suit i think has 580 separate pieces involved in the construction uh, and it just it just makes me want to die like i look at this suit and i i i think of the work hours and i want i just want to cry who's the costume yeah. designer in this movie can we give that person a shout out jim atchison uh, all right the, good the, on you the, jim yeah, Jim. Jim went all out. I mean, I I will always give Jim Atchison credit for how well he nailed the Spidey suit uh, mm-hmm. in this movie. Uh, that I think every superhero movie since has kind of been chasing the success of this Spidey suit. Um, and he and he came up with this thing, which is just wild. You know what's uh, funny is yeah. <laughs> like this Spidey suit is still the one that you see in most like Halloween costume setups. Totally. Like, yeah. It still emulates like the raised webbing and like the 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 kind of um scaly looking blue under part. Mm-hmm. This is sort of still like when you think of like Spider-Man, like yeah. movie Spider-Man, this is still movie kind Spider-Man. of the suit. It's it's to like the point the, where like uh, the benchmark. Even, even the Andrew Garfield one for Amazing Spider-Man 2 kind of just went back to this one for the most part. Yeah. I, th- I and I love that suit. I think the Amazing Spider-Man two suit is the the prettiest that any of the Spidey suits have looked. But it's yep. still using the same like design choices as yeah. this one. Um, yeah. I mean, maybe we might as well say it here because we have Spidey swinging in. Um, earlier in the film, I guess a couple weeks ago, we had the first big appearance of Spidey when I went off on a giant tangent about constructing these suits. But I don't think we've ever really talked about our our personal opinion of the Spidey suit in this movie or, or what we think oh. of, of it in it, you know, like, I feel yeah. like we might as well have that. 
combo. Yeah, I guess so. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I mean it. It feels like these movies to me. Yeah, um, which sounds like a backwards compliment, um, mm-hmm. and I guess it sort of is. But I, I, I like it as. Like okay, that's what Tobey Maguire looks like in as Spider Man. Um, yeah, but I do think he's too chunky, uh, because of the the padding that they added in. I think yeah. he like he grows like two sizes instead of getting thinner, which yeah. he should if he's wearing <laughs> spandex. Right. Um, <laughs> and uh, and and it's it's especially egregious in uh, the scene in Spider Man Two where the the train people catch him as he's like oh, about sure. to fall and like his like pr- the the cushion in his chest like passes in <laughs> like like he's wearing a pillow in his chest it's really silly yeah um, i i feel about this suit very similarly like he's just too big and i always pictured spider-man mm-hmm. as he's just like, too thick you know what yeah. he looks like he yeah. looks like the come to life version of the 90s animated series spider-man yes that yes. spider-man was a little yes. too bulky also yeah, which like, is which is actually a big uh, source of inspiration for this trilogy. Um, definitely, definitely, there's there's actually uh, there's bits in. I don't know that there's any bits directly taken from that in this movie, but there are bits in Spider-Man Two and especially Spider-Man Three. There's entire sequences in Spider-Man Three that are lifted. Mm-hmm. Uh, like wholesale from the '90s uh, animated show. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely uh, a spot of inspiration. And to be fair, uh, while Ditko's Spider-Man was lanky. And lean, um, the original one, yeah. Yeah. Right. But Uh, Romita. Romita was a little thicker like this. Yeah. And, I mean, the Spider-Man comics of sort of this time, early 2000s, they were drawing him smaller and smaller. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I, I kind of like the idea of playing up the sort of, high schooly young kid aspect of, of Peter Parker Spider-Man so he should never totally. look like I don't ever want him to look like Captain America or you yeah. know, Superman as it were like which is why he always I think, does seem like Superman wearing a Spider-Man suit but I will say degree. the yeah. the suit in Homecoming and in, in Civil War mm-hmm. um while I love the design choices like it always still felt to me like I don't know this this one just it like it fits a movie screen in a certain way like the raised webbing like the I guess mm. the 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 tone of the coloring on this one is a mm. little bit more cinematic yeah and maybe seems a little bit more high end than the uh, the Tom Holland suit which I do love and by the end of Homecoming I was completely sold on but yeah that first I think first appearance that... was like yeah just wasn't quite... it looked like Spider Man yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah. Part of it with the raised webbing is that in this movie, at least, they they went through a ton of different tests with different types of webs. And the thing that they came up with was specifically about visibility in different lighting conditions. Because this movie, as we'll see as we go through it, has scenes in broad daylight or has scenes at night or with like, you know, the weird noirish moments where we wanted to be able to see the webs uh, on screen. They almost cast their own shadow. Yeah, they cast Mm -hmm. their own shadow and they have a hard a double hard edge on them. It's like a trapezoidal cross section. And the, the top surface is silver. It's cast in silver. Mm-hmm. And then the two side surfaces, which are actually angled instead of being straight up and down are colored black. So that it, it's kind of like, um, in the original star Wars trilogy, Darth Vader's mask is not painted straight black, right? It's, uh, it alternates sections of black and gunmetal gray just to make those edges, pop out a bit more and be visible mm-hmm. so that you can catch the light on them. And it's just, with these webs, it was, if we have a reflective top surface and dark side surfaces, we're almost guaranteed in any situation that something will catch that light and we can see the webbing. Because what is right. so, what happens so quickly with Spider-Man suits, if you don't have that, is in certain lighting conditions, it just disappears into a sea of red. Like you right. don't see the webs at all. And I think that's which what happened, happens a which lot. Which happens with, a lot in Homecoming. In Homecoming, yeah. 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 And part of me feels like it won't really feel like Spidey unless I can glance at it at a moment and see all the webs. Mm-hmm. Um, and that this nails that seeing all the webs moment, even if for a second you have to get over, eh, why are they chunky? Oh, that's fine. It looks like Spider-Man. Like, yeah. I feel like you adjust very quickly to it, and then it just seems that way. Um, yeah, and, and, and I, I always have that. I, I think my biggest issue with 
the costume, even more so than him being chunky, Mm -hmm. is I don't like I don't like the Power Ranger helmet mask. Oh, yeah, (laughs) Um, I'm not I'm not into that Uh, the way that it it when I saw behind the scenes thing and I saw how they put it on someone's head. um, It really I was like, oh, and then I couldn't unsee that it's just a helmet. It's a Um, helmet. There's a there's a a vacuum formed. Yeah, shell. It's made of ABS plastic underneath that. But the, the thing is. I think I think the reason it it stands out more in this film is because they really highlighted his jaw in it. Like mm-hmm, yeah. it, when he's wearing the mask and he has the undersuit, we usually call it a face shell. Uh, it it really delineates the jawline very severely and makes him look again like the way the muscle the muscle suit does mm-hmm. makes him look bigger or like he has a wider face mm-hmm. in the suit than he does out of the suit. Well, Whereas, and not just that, but yeah. like when he talks, it doesn't move. It doesn't move. Yeah. Yeah. And so then you're like, well, that's obviously not a mask. It's a helmet that's covering his whole head because right. it's not moving when he's talking. How yeah. do you guys um, feel about the, the eyes on this suit? I, I like them. I think they're I like a little the too eyes. angry, but I like them. That was sort I, of yeah. always my one critique is that he just constantly looks like upset. And it's like, yeah, I don't think they solved the eye problem until Homecoming came out or until Civil War came out rather. Yeah. Um, right. It's but, true. I, I bigger eyes. I like. I actually. I actually like the eyes on the on the Amazing Spider-Man, Spider-Man two, two a lot. Yeah, yeah. I think those are my favorite. Uh, yeah. But I think in terms of like usefulness in ex- expressiveness and whatnot, there's no question that the MCU suits movable yeah. eyes are the most like you get the most character out of that mask but versus anything else. It's just like in re- real live action, the, the only thing you can do is have a static eye. So all of yeah. the suits in both of those movies had static eyes and then they just CGI them over. So I like, I like seeing the physical lens there. I think it's, I think it's fun. Um, to, to, to touch back on the facial thing in the, every subsequent Spider-Man movie, what they have done is they still do the facial route because it provides a platform to clip the lenses in and out of and makes your, sometimes if you put on a, just a spandex mask and your face is not the right shape, it will, move in on your lips and your lips show through and it's really gross and ugly looking but what they do is they specifically mold them to lay close to the real jawline and then cut and separate it so that there's a um an extra layer of spandex in the actual helmet so that the jaw moves and stretches with your mouth oh, good while yeah. you activate so literally every single other spider-man movie has also had a hard face shell under there including homecoming including civil war yeah. even though the civil wars wouldn't completely cgi it's just that they make them so they move in the jaw now, and it right. it helps sell it so much more. It's just really right. hard to make. It it really yeah it it really does help a lot because if he's mm-hmm. wearing a mask, his 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 face would move underneath it. Yeah, um, exactly. And then the other thing that that always bothers me is that um I I I I don't like that you you can't see the separation between the mask and the oh, and the man. suit. It, it oh, I love me. that though. Oh, oh it that. really, it really bothers me because it's too. There's something about it that's too. Like I don't want to see. I don't want it to look like like a bad Halloween costume where you're like, no. oh, there's a there's like a wrinkle or whatever. But I want to be able to tell that it's two pieces. Like I don't, I don't like. I want them to go together so they look seamless. Yeah. But I still want them to feel like two independent pieces, and I don't. They're, I don't feel that way with this because they're not. The only um, time and, that that bothers me is when he takes the mask on or off. Mm-hmm. Like any other yeah. time, I want it to look like Because it's always it on a cut. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I always, I, I want my superheroes to look like they do in the comics. And like no one ever draws, you know, the separation around yeah. the mask. So I don't want to see mm-hmm. it most time. But it does, I, it, I'm, I'm kind of with you a little bit because it does irk me when the mask comes off. And you're like, well, there's no way that he just took that off because there's no, like... <laughs> yeah, Come on. No he's like, he's like sealed inside that thing. Yeah, um, and how does he pee? <laughs> really? You don't. Right? You don't. I you mean, honestly, I don't. It. Honestly, I don't even know. I don't even know how he puts that thing on. To be totally honest, careful. Do you want to know? Do you want to know? Because I know. Because uh, my first costume I had uh, when I tried to build a very elaborate Spider-Man suit, I used. I wasn't supposed to have access to this, but I used a pattern that was based on the pelting for the Spider-Man 2 suit, Spider-Man 2 Raimi suit. So oh. this, the seam for the zippers and everything is the exact same as the movie suit on my first suit. Um, it's what they call it a U-zip. And basically, you have one long zipper that starts in your armpit, 
and runs down the seam along your side towards your hip and then makes a right turn and goes across your lower back till it meets your other hip and then makes that turn again and goes back up to your other armpit. So you can see like a U shape on your back where that uh, zipper is. Uh, and you unzip that entire U and then the then you back, like back of the costume out of it. Yeah, the right? back of the costume opens like a flap gotcha. and then you kind of, you know, like a I don't know, a tarantula molting its mm. shell or something. Your entire body slips it's, out through your lower back. It's like yeah. a very high-end version of the butt flap on a onesie. Yes, exactly. Yeah, right. but flips. Yeah. Now you're speaking yeah. my language. Yeah, yeah it's a very high-end butt flap, <laughs> butt and your flaps. whole body is the butt. High your end whole butt body flap. is the butt. The high. Oh, <laughs> that's, man. that's this episode's title, High-End Butt Flap. Um, but it's, it's in service of that same thing of how do you build a suit that looks the way they draw it in the comics when the way they draw it in the comics and the way they describe it working is so dissimilar. Like, in the mm-hmm. comics, it's described as all separate pieces, a shirt, pants, boots, gloves, and a mask, seven right. pieces, that all fit together, but it's always drawn as one seamless, beautiful fabric that somehow fits into all of your crevices and there's no gaps sure. or zippers or anything. But, but see, but see, I would argue that... Our, the neck shoulders area doesn't looks does it looks it, I think it looks bad like because I don't because I think it looks like it's kind of like lifting sort of and it, mm. it doesn't look like it's laying naturally on his body the way okay. that it would if he was just wearing a turtle what he's type. supposed to be wearing which is like a turtleneck and a mask yeah um, because the mask and the and the turtleneck are, are well I mean you know it's the helmet but you know it's yeah. like it's like he's got like a like a back of the mask thing, right? And then and then he puts the helmet over that sort of yeah, that's yeah. connected to the rest of it. Yeah. And so what it's doing is pulling up at the neck and pulling up the shoulders and it's giving him like a weird like meathead look that <laughs> I don't I don't like. Like it 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 just it's always it's made the um the uh that silhouette Mm-hmm. not look appealing to me gotcha. um, the way yeah. that I'd want it to look. I yeah, think. that's yeah. fair. I think it's, it's all a matter of like, you know, balancing trade-offs and yeah, they sure. very clearly in this movie went the route of whatever trade-off we have to make to make it look absolutely seamless. That's the route we'll go so that it looks like a beautiful one piece suit. Um, yeah. And, yeah. and for, and for uh, a first time out, yeah, I mean, my God. Oh yeah. I, I mean, it. You know, it's like a, it's like an eight out of ten. Like the first time <laughs> out. That's impressive. It really um, is. Yeah. So. Uh, I mean, stuff. it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> it only cost them twenty five thousand dollars. Um, it's fine. It's chump change. Yeah. Uh, so a couple of things from the script that I want to mention before we, uh, before we get out of here. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, let's see. So, okay. That's actually in tomorrow's minute. Uh, but this bit, um, there's this really great bit where, uh, when after Spider-Man, um, comes out. So like he, he shows up by just dropping in front of the goblin between the goblin and Harry. Yeah. And he just goes, Hey, uh, (laughs) And, and, uh, the, the, and, and the goblin is like, kind of like reacts and he goes, I wear the tights in this town and then punches him and, (laughs) and, and goblin sort of like spins out and then people start running away. Um, as the balcony starts crumbling and MJ starts going and then, uh, Peter or like Spider-Man gets in the way of Harry and MJ and the goblin and the green goblin goes, get out of my way or I'll destroy you. And Spider-Man goes, get out of my way or I'll destroy you, please. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, I kind of like that one. That's fun. Yeah. (laughs) That's a a solid quip. That's a solid quip. I'm on board with that. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I do think flying in and kicking him off the glider in midair is a slightly more uh, charismatic entrance than dropping down on the ground and saying, hey. I will say that. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. When I say dropping in, I mean I mean upside down on a web line. Oh, oh, okay. That's cool then. Yeah. All right. All yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Drop. Sorry. Yeah. Drop. <laughs> descending calm. Like just descending calmly. 
Got it. Like just dropping yeah. in. Hey, um, actually, and he drops in behind him and says, hey. And then the goblin turns around and he says, I wear the tights in this town and punches him. There we um, go. Okay. And, now and then gets in between them uh, <laughs> and then does the does the thing where he imitates him. But adds, please. That's um, fun. Ah, yeah. That's fun. So. Kept draft. Um, yeah, kept draft. Stuff. There's there's little yeah. little gems in there. Nuggets of gold. Stumbling across. Yeah. Um I guess there's another thing I did want to point out in in this minute. When he when Spidey does enter and kick him off of the glider and he falls, um mm-hmm. that falling stunt where the goblin falls down into the tent is one of the only times in the movie that Willem Dafoe is doubled by stuntman. Uh, almost every other stunt in the movie, he does his own stunts uh, because he's Willem Dafoe and he wanted to and they worked with him. Uh, but this one, apparently there was a concern with the construction of the suit because it has all these hard armor plates and whatnot. That even if you build it in soft urethane for this stunt, which they did, that it might make your, your body not move properly when you're supposed to do a fall and you had a risk of spine compression and this sort of thing. So it was deemed too dangerous to fall into this tent, even though it looks like a very soft, you know, surface and they had a pad and everything. So they had a, a stunt double whose name I will read out loud to you in a second. Um, starts with a K. Dang, I wrote this, I wrote Kevin, this down. Kyle. I was so excited. Kenneth. No, you're not going to get it. Nope. 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 No. Kim, <laughs> Kim Kahana. There we go. I said Kimberly. Uh, uh, yeah, but not Kimberly Kim. <laughs> Kim Kahana is wearing the goblin suit in that in that moment when he kicks over the tent. And he was fine. Everybody was fine there. But it was like the one bit that was too dangerous for Willem Dafoe, so they slotted him in there. Uh, mm. Yeah, so that's fun, I guess. Uh, 52 seconds into this minute, 68, Spider-Man mm-hmm. lands on a wall. He's got a great butt. <laughs> oh, we've, we've talked about his butt many times. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> All of the stuntmen have markedly better butts congrats. than Tobey yeah. Maguire. Um, I do love that big curved wall that they just put on its side and have him land and crawl <laughs> mm-hmm. on sometimes. Uh, it's, it's good. Just, I want one for photo shoots. <laughs> <laughs> for photo shoots, you nerd. Yeah, I know. If you contribute so much to Patreon, we'll buy Zach a sideways wall. Oh my God, though, please, though. That would be amazing. Amazing. <laughs> uh, the the only other little thing that was changed in the script was that um, originally this was uh, a big like a big solid globe that was going to land on this kid. Oh yeah, um, who oh, is uh, who is actually known as uh, Little Billy in the script. <laughs> um, that's how he's referred to. Uh, little Billy won't get out of the way. Um, <laughs> and so what they did was they changed it to a balloon, but they have the balloon knock into the lighting uh, metal the, thing. Yeah, 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 the metal thing, and it's yeah, yeah. So the whole thing. Though maybe even the balloon itself would still be dangerous to fall on you. I mean, I know it's full of air, but I, I must assume a balloon of that size has a lot of whatever it's built out of vinyl that would hurt you. If it was heavy, enough I don't to know. Land I, I don't know. I think it would be. I think it would be heavy, but it would float down on you. I don't. I don't think it would. <laughs> it's not like it's falling at any sort of velocity. Yeah. Um, do you, so, do you have any information as to whether Macy Gray actually performed during the shoot of this scene? I don't. I don't know. Be, I don't know because I want to say, if not, the people that did the set dressing for this, the amplifiers on stage are mic'd up. The mics are plugged in. The stage <laughs> is like blocked. There's like tape blocking where the monitors are supposed to go. Like it's a it's a setup for a concert. Like yeah, there's legit sound system being run there. It looks like it was very well done, very screen accurate. And I always appreciate when they give you know that kind of accuracy to musicians in the background of a shot. Maybe uh, awesome. maybe maybe she played for the extras between yeah. setups and That's stuff. That's kind of what I was it's not this unheard is a, of. This, a, yeah. this had to be a really long shoot. What was this? At least a full week, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's like, what, an eight-minute sequence? Like, this would have it's, taken I, I bet it was two. I bet it was two weeks. Two weeks. Uh, yeah. one, one week in the studio and another week uh, on, on location. I yeah. Bet. Oh, man. I, oh, this will make me sound like a, like a jerk. Uh, but I, it seems relevant and it came up organically. I, it, there is precedent for uh, musicians and scenes like this it seems like this actually just playing a set and, you know, recording audience reactions and stuff like that. I, I worked on um, Parks and Recreation for a few years when I first came into town in Los Angeles because they needed, like, a core group of, like, Pawnee folk to just 
be in the background of things and, you know, they would call on the same ones every once in a while. And so there was a scene in the episode where, uh, spoilers for Parks and Rec, I guess, where two main characters get married. I guess I'll say that. Uh, there's a, there's like a concert that happens <laughs> earlier where Chris Pratt's band is playing like a little ditty, uh, where they have like a little, a little concert there. And Chris Pratt honestly actually did just play some music for us. And they just had cameras roaming around and, and caught us because he knew we'd been out there in the cold, what what counts as cold in Southern California, uh, for several nights shooting this whole big, you know, charity fair thing. And he's in the sequence where they had a little concert happening. They actually set up mics and they actually set up everything to look legitimate. And he was just like, why don't we actually just play for a bit? So they paused, you know, the hustle and the bustle. And we just had a Chris <laughs> Pratt concert for nice. like a good 20 minutes oh. or so. Oh, yeah. And it was fun. really... It was really swell. I that was a great, a great, great show, and I miss it. Um, if you're if you're ever if you're ever wondering uh, why we're doing this show, uh, Zach Zach just called something swell. So <laughs> I think that uh, I think that pretty much pretty sums on brand. It up. Yeah, yeah, pretty on brand. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I like it. Uh, yeah. So, well, uh, Tofty, thanks for thanks for joining oh, us. Oh, anytime. I'm always happy to yeah. come on one of your it's a shows. Blast. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. Um, so uh, one last time, while we got you, why don't you plug plug whatever you want? If you want to plug your 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 shows oh, or uh, maybe right. some of your music, so you can go uh, to at Calling BS Show on Twitter for my uh, talk show podcast, Calling BS, which comes out every two weeks on Saturdays at DoolingGenre.com. Find it on iTunes. You can go to at TMNT Minute for the upcoming, or actually it's out now, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Minute where we're watching the 1990 Turtles movie one minute at a time. Yes. Oh, man. I uh, <sighs> Google, go to scotttofty.com, and I try to keep a, a list of my musical endeavors going there. I've got YouTube channels. I've got albums up for download. The Oh, man, Geek by Night. You can go download go. Geek by Night at Dueling Genre, and you can also head to my website, and via my website, you can get the uh, original soundtrack for, uh, you know, the first half of season one is up on uh, my Bandcamp page for purchase. It's like $5. You can get like 20-something songs from Geek by Night, all that music that I composed for that. Amazing. Um, yeah, I skythofty.com. That's a good one to go to. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, all right. Awesome. T O F T E. Um, <laughs> yes. Toffee. Well, they'll they'll see it in the show notes. Um, Everyone reads the so, show notes. It's true. <laughs> uh, so so there we go. Uh, all right. Well, uh, we will uh, we will be back tomorrow with minute uh, sixty nine. Hey, Bye, everybody. Thank you, guys. I'll see you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.